0: This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. The podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith and as always, I will be your host. This is episode 291 entitled, The Self-Declaration, I Am He, in Common Jewish life. Now we're continuing our study of the self-declaration I am he in this week's episode. 2 weeks ago, we introduced the biblical phrase and we noted that the God of Israel announced this important self-declaration which in Hebrew is ani hu in order to indicate God's unique role specifically as the only true God. This is a phrase that he uttered in order to make that particular point. We also noted that the phrase, I am he, could be uttered by human beings as a casual self-reference without the indication that this human figure is committing sin, committing any sort of blasphemy or making a claim to be Yahweh himself. Now on last week's episode, we examined all of the I am he passages uttered by Yahweh in Isaiah chapters 40 through 55. And we concluded by that extensive survey that this important self-designation highlighted God's unrivaled position, his claim to be the only true God, and his continued commitment to his people. Now, when we turn to consider the statement made by Jesus Christ, that is, I am he, or ego eimi" in Greek, within the four New Testament Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these particular statements have to be examined in their immediate narrative context, as well as in their wider Jewish context. And it's this Jewish context that includes References made before the Gospels, that is the evidence that we outlined in our previous two episodes showing the biblical data of the Old Testament, and also the Jewish references after the Gospels, which we will explore in this week's episode. In other words, by taking this week to look closely at how Jews used and understood the phrase, I am He, in common, casual, everyday Jewish life, we can more accurately fill out the context before and after the New Testament Gospels, resulting in a better understanding of what Jesus meant when he said the phrase, I am he. Our goal is to better understand what Jews thought when the God of Israel made the claim, I am he, and the extent of Of the exclusiveness of this particular phrase. So how did Jews in their common everyday life understand the phrase I am he, the famous self-declaration uttered by Yahweh the God of Israel? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at I am he as the self- declaration of Israel's God. So we're looking at the Jewish writings after the destruction of the temple. The Jerusalem temple was destroyed in the year 70 AD. And so we'll look at all the places in which God makes this particular claim. We're not going to look at all of them, but we'll look at the significant ones in order to really give us a sense as to how Jews understood this particular language. So the first reference we're going to look at comes from the Babylonian Talmud, and we'll look at the tractate Rosh Hashanah. And the reference, if you're following along, is Rosh Hashanah 17b. Now, this is going to deal with a particular rabbi, who is Rabbi Yohanan, and he lived in the years 180 through 279 AD, so nearly 100 years. Now, in this passage, Rabbi Yohanan Is going to interpret Exodus 34 verse 6 which describes several attributes of God uttered by the mouth of God so it's kind of God telling us who he is and what he's all about and from the perspective of Rabbi Yohanan this particular passage Exodus 34 6 is a text that congregations should read aloud when they desire to express some form of repentance And when people convey their repentance, Rabbi Yohanan is going to record in this particular tractate the way that God responds, namely by conveying his forgiveness. So it's important to know how the text Exodus 34 verse 6 begins in order to better understand the way in which Rabbi Yohanan is going to interpret it. So when you read in your Bible Exodus 34 verse 6, It says something along the lines of Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Now, the way that it gets read and interpreted in this particular tractate is recorded as the following. Yahweh, Yahweh, I am He, Before the person sins, and I am he after the person sins and repents. A God merciful and gracious. So what we can see here is that the beginning portion of Exodus 34, verse 6, which says, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, is interpreted by kind of inserting this response from God as a way to kind of give comfort to those who are repenting and we have this double reference to Yahweh and it gets interpreted as I am he before the person sins and I am he after the person sins and repents and then the passage goes on by continuing Exodus 34 verse 6 by saying that he's a God who's merciful and gracious but within this declaration we can see God making the claim I am he and he does it twice and it's the same Hebrew phrase that we've seen in the Old Testament, the Hebrew phrase ani who, which as a reminder is the first person singular pronoun, ani, and the third person singular pronoun, who. So literally it's I, he, but you put it together and it's I, am, he. So God is making this claim twice in this passage. So. It's interesting that God continues to describe himself with this particular language, at least according to the rabbinic rabbis. It's also fascinating that the way in which the Jews are portraying God with this singular reference, because I is a singular pronoun and he is a singular pronoun, proving that Yahweh is a single person, they do this by quoting scripture. And in the case here, it's Exodus 34, verse 6. Let's look at another reference. The next one is going to come from a Jewish document called Exodus Rabbah. This is a Jewish commentary on Exodus. It's a midrash on the book of Exodus. The reference in particular is Exodus Rabbah 29, verse 1. So I'll read the particular section here, and then we'll go back and talk about it. So here in the section, the text says, The Holy One, blessed is he, said to Israel, Do not misinterpret, because you have heard many voices and say that there are multiple gods in heaven. But know that I am he, Yahweh your God, as it is said. And then he goes on and he quotes Exodus chapter 20, verse 2 from the Ten Commandments which says, I am Yahweh your God, end quote. So here in this passage, Yahweh is claimed to have been said, I am he. It still is in the Hebrew text, which is Anihu, just as we've seen in several references before in Deuteronomy and in Isaiah. So what's going on in this particular passage? Why is it that the rabbis have to put this into the mouth of God and to make this particular claim clearly it's polemical in nature well this is what was taking place this particular passage is actually a response to the heretics what the Jews would call the menim and these particular heretics were suggesting that the voice of Elohim in Hebrew it's the kol Elohim noting that the word Elohim is plural might suggest that there are several voices, that there are many voices that spoke to the Israelites at Sinai. And when there was confusion that arose because of the supposed number of voices coming down out of heaven, the definitive response that's given here by the Jewish rabbis is not that, well, let me clarify, God is two or three persons, But, rather, that God is only one person, using the Hebrew phrase, Anihu, I am he. And throughout this passage, we can see that there are singular pronouns, singular verbs, singular adjectives. In regard to singular adjectives, we can see that the rabbis describe God as the Holy One, not the Holy Three. So, When there's some sort of confusion in regard to the number of authoritative voices that are coming out of heaven, the official rabbinic response is to reaffirm unitary monotheism, to describe God with the phrase, I am he, to reiterate the fact that God is only one person, and to do so with this famous biblical self-designation, Ani-Hu. I am he. So I think this is enough evidence to demonstrate that in the rabbinic period, after the destruction of the temple, the Jewish rabbis continued to regard God as a single person. They continued to attribute to him the phrase, I am he, in a way that highlighted the fact that he is committed to his people, but also in a way to fight off suggestions of a potential plurality in heaven or plurality in the Godhead the way is to reiterate unitary monotheism and the fact that God is only a single person he is the holy one he is I and a he but that's not the only evidence that we see in the rabbinic period and this will move us to our second point point number two I am he as a casual self-declaration made by human beings now what's interesting is that there is an abundance of evidence to demonstrate that jews were quite comfortable saying the phrase i am he using the same hebrew phrase also its aramaic equivalent after the destruction of the temple we can't even look at all the references or we would be here for four hours so i'm going to give three noteworthy examples The first one we're going to look at is in the babylonian talmud and it's the tractate sanhedrin the reference is 11a and this deals with a story that talks about the events in the life of rabbi gamaliel who lived in the first century so rabbi gamaliel made an announcement And he said call up seven qualified persons to the upper room in order that they might interpret and discuss various matters of the Jewish calendar so when Gamaliel climbed up to the upper room he counted and there were actually eight persons present and so he asked who came up here without the proper authorization whoever it is that person needs to leave now one of Gamaliel's disciples was present. His name is Samuel the Small. And Samuel arose and he said, I am he who came up without authorization. And Samuel explains to Gamaliel that he didn't come up to participate in the matters of Jewish calendar, but rather he came up in order to know how the law is supposed to be carried out. He came up there to learn not to participate. Now Gamaliel responded to Samuel the small not by rebuking him for claiming I am he, but instead he told him quote, remain seated my son every year is worthy to be intercalated by you, end quote. So Samuel the Small, a disciple of Rabbi Gamaliel, said in Hebrew, I am he, which is the Hebrew phrase, Anihu. And Gamaliel was actually impressed by this statement. He reaffirmed Samuel's place as his rightful disciple after making the claim. He called him my son, and he allowed him to participate in the study of the law. What's interesting here is that Even though Samuel the small made the claim, I am he, the exact Hebrew phrase that the God of Israel claimed in the Bible, as kind of an exclusive claim that indicated that he was the only true God and that he had no rivals, Samuel used the exact same Hebrew phrase. But he was not rebuked. Samuel was not considered to have blasphemed Yahweh. Samuel was not thought of as having made some sort of claim to be identical with Yahweh, or to be Yahweh himself. And that's because Samuel just simply said, I am he, as a casual self-reference. The question is, who is the eighth person up here in the room? And Samuel responded, he said, it is I. I am he. I am the guy you're talking about. And that's clearly identified in the context. There's no way to confuse what he said as even remotely coming close to making a claim to be the God of Israel. The context is clear as they were asking, who is this person? Samuel responded, I am he, namely the one that you're talking about. That's one example. Let's move to another example. So this one is also in the Babylonian Talmud, and it's in the tractate Ketubot, and the reference is 63a. This particular story deals with a very famous rabbi, Rabbi Akiba. And it took place towards the end of the 1st century or sometime at the beginning of the 2nd century. We're not exactly sure, but certainly around the time in which the Gospel of John was written. So in this story, Rabbi Akiba returns to the village belonging to his father-in-law. And this happened a long time after the father in law had made a vow that his particular daughter, the one that actually married Rabbi Akiba, she was not to benefit from the father in law's estate when he found out that she was secretly betrothed to Rabbi Akiba, who at the time of the betrothal was not a famous rabbi. He was just a simple shepherd. He was a lowly shepherd. And so the father of the bride didn't want. His daughter marrying someone like that so he said if you do this i'm going to cut you out of the inheritance so when rabbi akiba this highly respected rabbi at this particular point of his life returned to the village nearly 30 years after this happened he actually finds his father-in-law who is now quite advanced in his years and the father-in-law expresses to Rabbi Akiba his regret for the vow that he had made in regard to his daughter. Now the interesting part of the story is that the father-in-law doesn't actually know that this famous rabbi with whom he's speaking is actually the person married to his daughter. He doesn't actually recognize him as that shepherd man a long time ago. So it's kind of interesting. He's making this discussion with the rabbi not knowing that this is actually his son-in-law so the story goes that the father-in-law kind of regrets the decision that he made to cut his daughter out of the will and so he asks rabbi Akiba to dissolve this particular vow now Akiba asks his father-in-law if he would have actually made that vow in order to cut his daughter out of the inheritance if the man that she was marrying was actually a great man rather than a lowly shepherd and the father-in-law responds by saying that if that was the case he never would have made this particular vow and it's at this point of the story rabbi akiba reveals his true identity to his father-in-law and the way that he does it is by declaring i am he he says it in aramaic which is the phrase anahu, which in Aramaic is the first person singular pronoun and also the third person singular pronoun, I am he. Now, what's interesting is that when the father-in-law realizes that Akiba is actually the person that his daughter married, of course, with this declaration, I am he, he falls down to the ground, falling on his face, He responds by kissing the feet of Rabbi Akiba, and he gives Rabbi Akiba half of his entire wealth. Now, when Rabbi Akiba was saying, I am he, he was not claiming to be Yahweh, the God of Israel. He was not considered in the text to have blasphemed or have committed some sort of sin. He was simply revealing to his aged father-in-law that I am he, I am the person you are talking about it's me, I am the guy and although Rabbi Akiba was given a high level of prostration, I mean the father-in-law fell down on his face, he kissed Rabbi Akiba's feet and an enormous amount of wealth was given unto him this is not some sort of evidence or some sort of implicit recognition that Rabbi Akiba was considered to be Yahweh. A famous teacher, a famous human teacher, can actually say, I am he, as a casual self-declaration. And people who rightfully recognize the importance of this human figure can respond with homage, worship, and the giving of gifts. That was okay. The response by the father-in-law was understood to be a reasonable way to act in the presence of a great human being. That's the second example. Let's look at one more. So this third one comes from the Babylonian tractate Erubin, and the reference is 54a. This deals with two important figures. The first one is Rava bar Joseph bar Hama, quite a long name and the other figure is rabbi joseph so we got two josephs here and in this particular encounter it's important to know that rabbi joseph was blind and he had some sort of grievance or fight with rabbi bar joseph bar hama we're just going to refer to him as Rabba for short that's how he's referred to throughout the babylonian talmud So Rabbi Joseph had this grievance with Rava, and knowing that there was an ongoing grievance between the two, Rava takes this particular opportunity to mix a cup of wine in order to give it to Rabbi Joseph, who was unable to mix his own wine because he was blind, he was unable to see. Now, when Rabbi Joseph tasted the wine that was given to him, he said Quote, this mixture is like the kind that Rava bar Joseph bar Hama makes. End quote. Then Rava replied to Rabbi Joseph and said, "I am He." And then they begin to cordially discuss a particular passage in the Book of Numbers and its interpretation. You know the way that rabbis go on and do. In this phrase, "I am He." comes from the Aramaic Ana who." That's what he said. Now Rava was not sinning when he said, I am he, nor was he committing any sort of blasphemy. And nobody present even remotely thought that he was taking the self-designation of the God of Israel and making some sort of personal claim to be that very God. Rava was simply making a casual self-reference. I am the guy. I am the person you are clearly talking about in the context. Yep, it's me. I am he. And in fact, the two rabbis show no indication that there is some sort of frustration or a sense that blasphemy has taken place because they continue to have a very casual conversation on how to interpret scripture. There's no indication or suggestion that Rabbi Joseph was offended at Rabbi saying, I am he. He didn't fumble around in his blindness to try to find some sort of stone to stone him, which wouldn't have been very successful. He's blind. So what do we make of all this data? In conclusion, we have observed that within the rabbinic period, after the destruction of the Jerusalem temple, pious Jews who were interested in strict adherence to the law, continued to portray the God of Israel with his famous biblical declaration, I am he. In doing so, these Jews depicted God as a single person in line with Jewish unitary monotheism. They did so with several singular references, singular pronouns, singular verbs, singular adjectives. They also form the basis of their interpretations by citing passages of Scripture from the Hebrew Bible. And there was a significant emphasis on God being understood as a single person when there had arisen some confusion about the possibility of a plurality of voices coming out of heaven. When Yahweh says, I am He, according to the Jewish rabbis, He is claiming to be the only true God with no other gods beside him. We also noted that the casual way that human beings would say, I am he, was a basic self-reference that was fairly widespread. It was more common in the rabbinic period after the destruction of the temple than the way that we observed in the Hebrew Bible. It was far more common. It was more likely to take place. It was far more casual. Human figures would use the phrase, I am he, both in Hebrew and in Aramaic, to indicate that they were the person being referenced in the context of the conversation that was immediately taking place. There was no hesitancy, not even a hint of hesitancy, among the learned rabbis that one could not utter the words Anihu or Anahu in Aramaic. There was no fear that they would be accused of committing some sort of sin. There was no hint of thinking that they were blaspheming. It wasn't a sense that they were blaspheming by others who were listening to them. Nobody thought that when these people claimed to be I am he, that they were making a claim to be the God of Israel. When the rabbis said, I am he, they were never rebuked by other rabbis, not even once. So in short, in the understanding of the Jewish rabbis after the destruction of the temple, the self-declaration, I am he, when spoken by the God of Israel, indicated that he was a single person, the only true God. But when human beings said, I am he, they were making a very different claim, a casual claim, a casual self-reference indicating to those around them that the speaker is the person that's being referred to in that conversation. There is no reservation among the Jewish people about saying, I am he, quite casually. There is no fear that they are committing some sort of blasphemy, and there are no accusations hurled at those who made such casual claims thank you so much for listening to this week's episode please join us next week as we continue to explore this fascinating topic namely how Jews understood the phrase I am he when we dig into the New Testament we will start in the Gospel of Mark and we'll look at all the references and we will place them in their context having established the self-declaration I am he meant something different On the mouth of Yahweh than when it was spoken on the mouth of human beings. So now we can responsibly set the words of Jesus in their Jewish context. Please look forward to our next episode. If you enjoy our podcast please consider supporting us as we aim to promote the sound truths of the oneness and unity of God and the humanity of Jesus. You can support us absolutely for free by subscribing on YouTube and iTunes by giving us an honest review online and by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. If you'd like to offer a donation, you can check out the episode's description for a link to donate on PayPal. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced and edited by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, please take care.